Park Hopping Podcast number 15. You're listening to Another Crappy Podcast. Brought to you by Another Crappy Podcast production. With apologies to Paul over at windowtothemagic.com, this is Alan of DisneyFans.com, and this is the Park Hopping Podcast show number 15. The podcast that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that, yes, anyone can have their own podcast. Previously on the Park Hopping Podcast, I spent some time talking about Disney's ride reservation system known as Fast Pass, and I've got a lot more to tell. Okay, not a lot more. Maybe another show's worth in a future episode, including some feedback from a listener over in Europe about how Fast Pass works over there. So, it seems like the last few weeks over the holiday break has been real good for hearing from other podcasters. So now I have to find new ways to pick on them. Hi, Paul. I'm going under the assumption that pretty much anyone listening to me is already listening to those other guys, uh, at least the big shows like Window to the Magic, Inside the Magic, Magical Theme Park Podcast, and the other 15 Disney podcasts that use the word magic in the title. Actually, I was going to call mine another magical podcast, but decided to be more truthful. Now, occasionally I spend some time on an unofficial segment here I like to call Podcast Peeves, which is basically me discussing a bit about what's going on with the podcast world. Now, something came up a few days ago that really made me think. You know, all the music sharing services that have been shut down by the RIAA or whoever shuts down music sharing services? Well, the music industry was, and and still is, going after people or organizations that distribute copies of copyrighted materials. Um, There's several podcasts I was listening to that have actually had to stop using clips from songs due to fears of being sued. It's better to be safe than sorry, sure. But the RIAA has also... Uh, filed lawsuits against thousands of end users, you know, grandmothers and children, just because they downloaded stuff. So if a 12-year-old girl in Kansas or wherever can be sued because she listens to an MP3 file she got off the Internet that contains a copyrighted song, does that mean that I can be sued because I have some mashup songs I got from a podcast? Mashups are song remixes that people have done where they take several songs and then put them together, like taking a current Green Day song and putting the lyrics on top of an old Eagles track. It's neat stuff. Anyway, although I haven't seen any mashups from them in a month or so, maybe they already got to them. Well, anyway, this made me think, what if I play audio from a Disneyland vacation and in it there's music from the Peter Pan ride and that music was taken from the Peter Pan movie, which is found on the Peter Pan movie soundtrack album? Could I get sued for having that? And could they subpoena my web host and get information on everyone who has downloaded the podcast and then sue them? It's a scary thought. But for now, I think we'll just consider Disney home movies as something a bit different than passing around copies of Green Day or The Eagles. Uh, I mean, heck, even Disney is getting into podcast action lately with official podcasts from the Disney Studios as well as Disneyland and Walt Disney World. So if anyone from Disney is listening to this, and I know you guys visit my photo site, please don't sue me. Thanks. And don't worry, I'll get back to some uh, audio ride-throughs and things like that very soon. But I wanted to mention one other thing going on in the world of podcasting. TiVo. The TiVo Series 2 receivers... Um, You know, the TiVo is the digital video recorder that lets you pause live TV and it learns what you like and records things for you automatically. Brilliant, brilliant gadgets. My favorite gadget. Well, they've added podcasting support in a software update, and my machine got it just uh, the other night. Now I get a menu that, in addition to browsing photos and music on my home computers, I can also listen to streaming radio from Live 365, play a couple of simple games, including a a pirate-themed Connect 4-type game, 
and also podcasts. There's only a handful of podcasts that are built in, but you can use the, the remote control to key in the, uh, the feed address for any podcast you want. And then it shows up on your screen with a description. The graphics from the podcast appear, and it's really big because this is TV resolution, so it's you know like a quarter of the size of the screen, so it looks really neat. And then you can start playing and hear it immediately. It's not very TiVo-like. It doesn't subscribe and download. It just kind of grabs them off the server and plays them. So you can only play them as long as they remain on the server. I would have preferred TiVo to let you download them the same way that you kind of download and capture video, where it, it pulls it instead of off the, the uh, air, it just pulls it off the Internet and saves it to the hard drive. Then you could play it back and fast-forward and rewind. You can't pause or rewind or do anything to the podcast right now. So it kind of is like... Well, it's like radio on demand, but once you start it, you can't do anything but stop and then start all over later. But it's kind of neat. I, I pulled up a couple of podcasts I listened to, and for the very first time, I listened to them through my living room speakers while sitting on the comfort of my couch without a personal computer you know, anywhere in the picture. It was really neat. So that is one step closer to bringing podcasts to the masses. Um, so we'll just have to watch how that goes. And now for something completely different, Disney's Virtual Magic Kingdom. Now, in an earlier podcast, I mentioned that none of this was scripted, and it wasn't. But of course, you can never trust anything you read or hear on the Internet. The last show I did, called Cheating Fast Pass, was actually semi-scripted. I wrote out some extensive notes the first time I've actually done anything like that for a podcast, and basically was, you know, reading through them in detailed outline form. Uh, it's probably going to mean I'll take more notes in the future. I don't know if they'll make things sound any better to listen to, but it's something I thought I'd mention. Actually, I'm basically reading this right now, too. I guess that's it. Anyway, in 2005, Disney opened up its Virtual Magic Kingdom online multiplayer game thing. I think I first heard about the Virtual Magic Kingdom from an article that listed domains Disney was registering. It was probably something JimHillMedia.com had discussed, you know, uh, Anyway, something about the project. Well, on the day that VMK launched, I think I remember checking it out, and for whatever reason, I didn't sign up. Maybe maybe it didn't work with Macs at first, or maybe I just couldn't log on because the server was busy or something. I don't really remember. I actually forgot all about it until I started hearing weekly VMK updates on the Inside the Magic podcast. It's amazing the types of things we get exposed to by listening to other people rant in front of a microphone. Anyway, I mentioned something about VMK to a friend of mine um, when I was out at Disneyland this past December and said, oh, I couldn't run it on the Mac. And he told me, well, it's just a shockwave web page and it should work fine on a Mac. So a week ago, um, I logged on to VMK for the first time just to see what it was. Now, if you don't know, it's an online game where you create a small character and walk it around rooms that represent lands at the sections of the Disneyland parks around the world. Now, the game is for children ages 8 through 14, but there was a note saying something like some of Disney's older fans might play it too. And after playing with it a bit, it's definitely a place for little kids to roam around. Well, more on that in a moment. First, it's free. And when you sign up, you get to make this little character to be you in the game. Mine looks like a young boy version of me. Brown hair, a brown goatee beard, which looks a little weird on a kid character. The blue Disneyland 50th anniversary t-shirt, just like I have upstairs in my closet. You know, blue jeans, sneakers. It was basically kind of cute seeing a little bearded boy version of me wander through Disneyland on my screen. 
Now, the game represents major common sections of a Disneyland park, and by common, I mean the ones that are found at all the Disney Magic Kingdoms around the world. There's Main Street, Fantasyland, Adventureland, Tomorrowland, Frontierland. You know, uh, Frontierland just opened a few weeks ago, actually. Anyway, each land has some rooms and uh, when you click on the screen, your little character walks to where you clicked in that room. You click on a doorway on the edge of the screen, and it'll leave that room and go to the next one. That's, that's basically it. Each room has some really nice cartoon-style graphics of the location and background sound effects. You can chat with other players by typing, and then you see the words float up the screen like in a little comic strip bubble. Now, since the game was designed for young kids, Disney only allows certain words to be typed. Basically, anything... You, that could give away where you live or how old you are, you know, of course, anything sex-related is not allowed. So there's no numbers, cities, state names, or body parts. It makes having a normal conversation pretty difficult and, in some cases, impossible. But it protects the kids, so that's cool. Now, a real weird thing is seeing how people try to get around the filters. Since numbers aren't allowed, you can't say there are two places to go or I've collected three pins. So you hear people type tree pins or whatever it's kind of kind of weird there's also a weird virtual dating slash stalking thing going on the first night i was there i was constantly being asked are you taken by little girl avatars it hasn't been so strange on other nights but it seems there's a big deal about being taken in the game which as far as i can tell doesn't actually mean anything I think I got cheated on by my virtual girl avatar friend. Anyway, uh, there was this a weird room set up. You can create these custom rooms and then put stuff in them. And you could teleport into this room. Uh, you can teleport to any room on the map, or you can make somebody your friend, and it adds them to like this little buddy list. And then it lets you jump to wherever they are including private rooms. So that's how I got there. And when I teleported into the room, there was a barricade set up and a turnstile like at a ride. I guess you can buy all kinds of things in this game. The owner of the room would ask you if you wanted to work, watch, or perform. Um, and the room looked a little like the Golden Horseshoe and had a stage at one end of it. You know, you'd give him an answer and then he'd let you in if you were going to work or perform. You could read some kind of credit compensation from the room owner for doing this, or you could just watch, in which case you had to give him one item, like a piece of furniture. It was surreal. There, were little, there was a little counter set up with water and something that looked like a vending machine. All the areas were roped off so the owner could let you in and block you in once you were there. He could move things around. Some really twisted virtual living, but maybe it's just weird to me because I never got hooked on online multiplayer games or The Sims or anything like that. Uh, but back to how the game and how people end up getting all the furniture and stuff in the first place. In the game, you have credits, which are basically money. You use them to buy new clothes that your character can wear, as well as things like hats, posters, and those wonderful pins. There's virtual pin trading. You can trade with other characters, which comes in handy when limited edition items are made available and you weren't there to buy them the first time. This kind of virtual trading is something I've heard about. Um, maybe you remember hearing about some of the big online games actually having virtual stuff auctioned off on eBay, you know, characters people had built up. I I'm hoping people aren't taking the Disney game quite that seriously, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's happening. So, you can earn credits by doing things like finding non-player characters. There's a few locations that have little animated, you know, creatures, and you can double-click on them to get some points. There's the Yeti in the Matterhorn, a pirate in the Pirate's Treehouse, Esmeralda the the fortune teller in the Emporium Shop, a dragon under the castle, and even the three hitchhiking ghosts in the Haunted Mansion. Each one... 
Each day you can visit them and you get some credits. Now, you'll notice it wasn't, um, it's the pirate treehouse, not Tarzan's or Swiss Family Robinson. There's a Matterhorn, even though that only exists at Disneyland in California. There's a dragon under the castle like at, uh, is it Tokyo Disney that has the dragon or Disneyland Paris? Anyway, um, so it's it's kind of a, a bizarre best of Magic Kingdom. Now, there's also a few games you can play to earn credits. These games are all pretty simple. They're like arcade games in the 1980s. There's a Pirates of the Caribbean game that lets you drive a ship by clicking on a sea map, and your ship will head that direction. Then you can fire to the left or the right of your ship to sink other ships. You pick up repair boxes and ammo, and it's pretty simple. And as you win enough games, you get to play on higher levels, and you get special pins and earn credits. Um, there's, uh, some really cool pirates background and audio and music that plays and bits of dialogue that's kind of fun. There's also a fireworks game, which is a bit like Missile Command in reversed. Fireworks streak to the top of the screen, and then you click on them at the right time to make the fireworks shell explode. There's different shapes of the shells, and you have to click on the matching one and then click on the firework that, uh, you're trying to blow up. So it's kind of coordinated, and I don't have a real mouse on this uh, laptop, so uh, it's pretty much impossible for me to play. Um, there's a music game where you create a short music loop by playing placing different sounds together, and then you play them, and I haven't really figured out what that's for. It's like a Fisher-Price version of Apple's GarageBand, now that I think about it. But uh, it's a place these little avatars can get together and dance. Actually, there's a lot of strange things like that in the game. Right off Main Street is the sci-fi drive-in, like they have at Disney MGM Studios in Florida. I just don't know why I thought about that. Anyway, um... Let's see, there is a uh, Haunted Mansion game where you walk around the rooms and try to vacuum up ghosts of the same color as your team while avoiding ghosts that are the color of the opposing team. I'm told this is the best game to play to earn credits fast. And then there's a Jungle Cruise game where you drive your boat through scenes and use the mouse to snap pictures of animals as they appear than disappear. You can pick up extra fuel and film while you play. It's, it's kind of neat, though the theming is more like something from the Safari at Animal Kingdom. Anyway, you get the idea. This is no Worlds of Warcraft or Star Wars Galaxies or whatever. It's pretty simple and basic, uh, you know, designed for kids. But exploring it has been kind of addictive for me the past few evenings. The one thing I thought was neat was they have hidden Mickeys. There are apparently 50 hidden Mickeys in the game, and you can buy a camera and film and then snap photos of them, which earns you credits and pins and stuff. You can even post the photos you take to a gallery book, and you can place that in your room so others can see it. Since I was an avid Hidden Mickey hunter back when I got my first digital camera in 1996, I thought I'd give this a try, and unfortunately these aren't Hidden Mickeys like in the park. Each one is the same size and shape. It's just a graphic blended in them with the background. I was I was spending time looking for three barrels in the shape of Mickey or Mickey-shaped rocks and stuff, but I soon found out they weren't actually that clever. They were just locations. Um, I guess it lets them move the Mickey spots around easier, uh, since this is actually a second Mickey quest they've had, rather than redesigning the graphics. That makes sense. They're still really, really tough to find. A lot of them blend in really well. Oh, and speaking of quests, the Magic Kingdoms, at least in the U.S., have some real-world crossovers to the Virtual Kingdom. You can buy a real hat in the park and receive a virtual hat to wear in the game. If you create your character at Interventions at Disneyland, you get a special Born in the Park icon next to your little uh, information. 
Uh, you can complete a quest in the park and receive special stuff for the game, meaning there's a lot of things I will never get to see firsthand since I'm always too busy riding rides when I visit the parks. But I guess those who are real local... You know, it's a new dimension to the Disney Park experience. There's even a tour you can get to take, a real tour in the park that's free, and it's connected to a quest and stuff going on in the game. So it's pretty neat. Uh, this is really what makes the experience unique, and it's going to be interesting to see what Disney does down the line. Oh, and they're doing other things, like the Buzz Lightyear game at Disneyland is also connected somehow to the Internet, and people playing the online Buzz game at home have an effect on targets that light up in the actual ride. Can you imagine what Disneyland could be doing in 20 years, you know, the battle scene of Pirates of the Caribbean could have cannons actually trying to fire at your boat, controlled by people on the Internet via webcams. It's something to think about. I guess about the only other thing I'd like to mention about this game is how surreal it actually is. Um, you know, it's this mishmash. You know, they, they represent Main Street. It has one lane that goes down through one tunnel because, you know, they don't really need a big park for 40,000 people. I think there can only be like 15 characters in a room at a time. And then a lot of things are pretty close to where you'd expect them. You know, there's frontier land and fantasy land off of the hub in front of the castle, things like that. You know, the Haunted Mansion is in frontier land because they don't have Liberty Square or New Orleans Square. So it's kind of in frontier land like it is at Disneyland Paris, but it looks like the Disneyland version. Uh, there's a lot of weird things like that. There's storybook land, and um, you can actually go to a, a Small World gift shop and see the Small World facade like Disneyland out in the background of it. Uh, just a lot of little details, and there's a lot of spaces that aren't opened up yet. There's some arcade games you can play in um, in Tomorrowland, and then there's Space Mountain, but it doesn't look like you can actually get on it yet, or maybe I can't at my level, or maybe I've just never found anybody that could tell me how. A lot of interesting things like that. Um, very, very different interpretation of the mansion, but it definitely has the feel of the mansion. A lot of the music and people chattering and background sounds are there. On the Mark Twain, you can actually go and get up on a stage and stand in front of a podium, and then your, your avatar's face is blown up and projected behind you. Um, there's icons you can click on to turn lights on and off and you know interact with candles, things like that. And there's uh, Splash Mountain, but not the ride. You can actually buy uh, flume pieces, and you can build a ride. You can have one room and just kind of make a loop. People can get on it and draws them in a little boat that fits the one character and runs around the loop that you put. Or you can join rides together uh, or join the uh, flume pieces together. And there's some people that have made these little log rides in the last couple of weeks that go on for, you know, 10 or 20 screens worth and through all kinds of different themes and up and down little blocky things. It's it's neat. It's certainly not anything as advanced as like Roller Coaster Tycoon or, or whatever. But it, it's really interesting seeing what people are doing with this. They have their own games, and they do their own contests. There's a lot of trading going on. And, of course, it's just a big dating scene. So it's worth checking out if you've got a high-speed Internet connection, as long as you've got a Mac or a PC or possibly, uh, I guess that's about it. It has to play the Shockwave. They'll, they'll send you to a plug-in if you need it. Uh, my Mac apparently already came with it, so I didn't have to download a thing. I just went to the web website and registered. And um, you can pick out a name. It takes a couple of days for them to validate your name and to prove it. So, you know, they, they do monitor the game and try to keep it clean and safe for the kids that are there. 
So something to check out. There's a lot of uh, a lot of more strange things I've been finding out. Although I expect that once I get all the Mickey's and explore all the rooms and figure out if it's possible to ride uh, Space Mountain, I'll probably be done with it because I, I don't buy pins and trade them in the park. I'm probably not going to run a simulation game that simulates buying things. This is really clever because I I never thought there'd be like you know sim shopping or whatever. I guess it's a really good way for uh, Disney to help people who want to eventually shop at the real parks practice shopping at virtual parks right from their living room. So the next time you're virtually there, take an extra virtual picture because you really never know when something you like, love, or hate is going to go away and never be around again. Programs crash, after all. And on that note, I think that'll do it for me this time. So be sure to visit DisneyFans.com, where you can browse over 25 digital pictures I've taken at Disneyland, Disney World, and other theme parks across the country. Though the Disney ones are really tiny right now because of bug in my photo gallery program. Uh, and also dozens and dozens of downloadable video files from the Disney parks here, including... 3D videos from the Park Hopping 3D Video Podcast. If you want to drop me a note, my email address is alan, that's A-L-L-E-N, at DisneyFans.com. This has been the Park Hopping Podcast, show number 15, Virtual Magic Kingdom. Thanks for listening. Another Crappy Podcast production. Be sure to visit anothercrappypodcast.com to learn more about this and other equally exciting... Podcasts. Hmm. Hey, do you think anybody except for that one guy in Ohio misses the babbling I used to do at the end of these podcasts under the music? I had to stop doing them because the new jingle's too short. Guess I'll make a longer one. Or not. I'm going to bed now. Good night.